Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. Today we're talking about the ideal GM. Yes. This is kind of like the bane of every GM, right? The ghost of RPG pasts also could be. So known by many names, the ideal GM is where players look to this ideal GM either from their gaming past or like a celebrity GM and constantly compare their current GM to that mythic ideal, right? It's like chasing the perfect game, right? Yes, a little bit like that. You're right. For me, this is not to be confused with uh, constructive criticism or constructive feedback. It's one where just a comparison is made without any real uh, positive or constructive criticism. Like, for example, of my player Buck. Oh, my old GM wouldn't have run the battle that way. Okay, thanks, Jabuck, but that's really not helpful, right? Those kind of comments, this comparison to this mythic GM from the past is is not helpful in a certain way because all it does is say, oh, I'm not the current GM. It's the I am. I'm not meeting the standards that this player wants. Or maybe my player is complaining that he's not having a good time and I'm trying to figure out why why and how what I, can i do better right this can happen quite a bit and i think as a as a gm usually you are like you're nervous already about running the game I and mean, if you're not nervous you are probably not being paid right you're being paid in in, in thank yous and stuff like that and so when somebody is comparing you to a, a something that they've seen or some guy that they played with or person they played with, you're stuck with this like, oh. Oh, sorry, I, I didn't live up to your standards. Yes, right, exactly. <laughs> and I, th- and I, think, that's, I think that's not a good uh, way of, of interacting with your GM to try to get them to be a better GM. And right? it's not necessarily, I don't think it means, I don't think people are saying, oh, you're a horrible GM. I think for newer players... D&D has had a revival, I've heard. Of course, <laughs> I'm not sure that it ever left, but the, a lot of newer players have seen actual plays or different kinds of things on YouTube. And what's the one that everybody talks about? Critical Role? With Matt Mercer. Yeah, that's he, Critical well, Role. So they've watched these voice actors, right? <laughs> Jolene's never seen the show. I've never seen the show. <laughs> I have listened to Matt Mercer talk and... and He's been a GM for a long time, so I'm sure he's gotten the same things from people. Before he actually did the show, he was a GM. So whatever he does is just the way he runs his table, right? Right. That's the way every GM is, or dungeon master, or game master, or what do they call them? Referees. Storytellers. Or keepers, (laughs) which which kind of freaks me out when they use that term. Every game has uh, has their name for the GM, unless they really don't care and call them referee or GM. But the thing is, is if you're if you're old school from the when D and D first came out, you have a certain idea about what a GM is like, or a dungeon master in the case of D and D, like first edition or AD and D. Sometimes they're adversarial; their monsters are trying to kill you, and they get upset when you don't die from their monsters, right? <laughs> so if you've had that experience, that's one kind of experience. Or it's like Saul, he played with Felipe, and Felipe is very methodical. He thinks things out. He's not trying to kill his players. He's trying to give you a, a job or a, a mission, and it could be, it could have, you know, moral implications or just you're out to go get the money, right? Whatever it is. Yeah, I, I think you know, 
that that happens too, right? There's this idea that when you play as a, a young kid or a long time ago, you know, you you become nostalgic of that time, right? Right. And there's all kinds of factors of why that is in this mythic past. And I call it the mythic past because, you know... A the way lot you of, remember it is not necessarily the way it happened. Exactly. And I think a lot of people, you know, just like real terrible things that happen... That's what you remember, and and you only. In, but in role playing games, you usually just remember the good things, right? The things that made you happy, the things that made the you, great battle, the great battles, the great sessions that lasted twelve hours when you started at six o'clock in the evening and ended at six o'clock in the morning. That kind of stuff, and you only remember the good parts, right? Unless you know you're kind of a stodgy old bastard and you only remember the bad parts. But but for the most part, I think most players are positive and like to remember the good stuff. And so years later, like 30 years later, like, honestly, I don't remember a, a lot of bad sessions that I was in when I was younger, you know, except for when my brother killed me. But that was he said it was my fault. So there it is. <laughs> anyway, uh, but, you know, stuff like that, you do remember, like right. stuff that was really tragically bad for you <laughs> or your character. But for the most part, I think most of us like to remember the good stuff. And so when we look back to this GMing of, let's say, 10 plus years. You think of it, oh, those those were the golden years of playing. And I think there's all kinds of things that f- mix into this idea, ideal, right? When we were younger, some of us played more than once a week. You know, we would play, you know, Friday and Saturday and Sunday even. And, and, and we were more on schedule, right? Though with COVID, we have quite a few games going on. But back then, I remember playing every weekend. It was every weekend. And it was then, then my brother started the, the club at the Steinbeck library and we played every Saturday and it was something I looked forward to every week, every week when I was in school, I was like, Oh, I can't wait till Saturday. So that's, that's one of the things, nothing can compare to that. Right. Right. Exactly. So along with, with this, with this mythic past of having these great games, you had this great GM, right? And so when you constant, and then you can't relive those times, right? You can't go back and relive, those times when you were a kid or a young person playing D and D, you know, in the golden era, whatever you want to call it. I'm not sure. I think you might have relived it on Friday night when you were playing with your brother <laughs> as the GM. So, but you know, but for for a lot of times, a lot of a lot of people, they're not still playing with their GM from 30 years ago, or in my case, 40 years ago, and and I think that's what happens is is you 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 know people. Go get up, grow apart, and stuff like that, and and they don't play with their GM or or the GM is in another town, whatever. You look at those that GM fondly, and then the current GM, you're like, well, you know, if you're a bad player, or not a bad player, but if you're not being a very constructive player, you're like just comparing, comparing, yeah. and complaining about the current GM, right? Oh, my old GM would would not have done it that way. Oh, my old GM. He would have ran that battle much differently and stuff like that. And so, and so I've never, I don't think I've ever been in that, in that situation, situation very much where somebody's complaining or comparing me to a GM that they used to play with. What has happened to me though is, and it was very learning experience for me. I, I, you know, I, we go to a lot of conventions and there was this one GM that was getting a lot of like praise, right? Oh, you should play this guy's game is really good, really good. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. And so after a few years, I actually played in this game and it was a good game, but it wasn't like this fantastic thing that happened. You know, I was I was expecting a life altering experience, experience, but it was just, you know, it was he was good, but he wasn't fantastic. 
And I was thinking, you know, what made these players hold them in such high regard? I think it was probably that they had never encountered a, a game like that. I don't and even know what game you're talking about, but I can just imagine the GM may have done, you know, special things like, you know, had all the... I think, yes, he did, yeah, there's that. But I think it was just the genre of the game. Yeah. The players really, and I think about, and now that I think about it now, they really like the certain genre of game where I'm not, eh, I'm not, you know, totally, I'm not as enthralled by this genre that these other players are, these other people I know are. So that had a lot to do with it, right? So when you really like the genre, whether it's science fiction, gritty, fantasy, or whatever, and a GM runs that game, you're like, oh, that's a great game, right? So if you look at it from the idea of new players, right, who've only right. seen, like, what do you call it, the the actual play games on YouTube oh, yes. and stuff, then they're going to be expecting it to be like that. Right. And when it's not exactly like that, then they're going to be disappointed because it's not the way that they think it's supposed to be. Right. And that, that is, yeah, that is probably pretty bad way of, of thinking. Well, but they're, if they're new players and yes, have never played before, that, they're not going to know. That's right? the example that's set forth. Right. Right. And I think the problem with that is that, is that, and I don't think, I don't think Brad, you're right. Brand new players are not going to realize that that's not how a normal session runs. Right. Number one re- reason is mostly, those people know that they're on camera. Those mm-hmm. people know that they are being recorded, and those people know that they are, are that they are basically trying to entertain. Right. The, the there's an audience that you're trying to entertain. Most of the time, when you're role playing, there's not that none of that is factored in. Right. You're just acting and doing whatever you want to do. There's no. Uh, you're not looking at the camera. You're not looking at you know, what side of your face is the best shot, and you're not being exuberant to you know to excite this audience that is watching you you're just being exuberant or acting out because you want to have fun you want to have fun and and your fellow players are, are are exactly doing the same thing so when you compare that to somebody who or a group of people who are playing for an audience that is totally different right right and I'll imagine remember although when- there are actual plays and I'll go back to uh, Shadowrun <laughs> Where I was enthralled for three hours watching people roll up characters. Did we ever, did we ever go back and watch the what happened? To those I don't know. I don't think so. But it was, and they were just, you know, you and me, right? They were us yes. in a different well, I think state. We were, they were kind of worse because like, they only had one book. <laughs> they were looking stuff up on their phones. And it was, it was, so it was like one of our games, right? When you're trying to figure out well, that's stuff. true. Not everybody has a brand new system book, right? Yeah. <laughs> that so, is funny. That but, was a good one. So, so that's appealing. Just watching people and going, "Oh, okay, they play like we do." Right? Yes. One it, person knows the rules, and everybody else is going. And they're trying to forget. Can the I? Time. So, <laughs> if, if I take this, will it help my character do that? Or this is what I want to do. How can I do that? Right. And and that is act. That is a real actual play. Right. Right. This other stuff is highly produced. Nobody has cameras. Well, a lot of people don't. Well, a lot of people have cameras now. <laughs> but, you know. But not, not high quality professional. Right. Not They don't have money to produce their right. their game I think I think an, another one uh, example was when we went to uh, Silicon Valley last year. 
and uh silicon valley what silicon valley comic-con oh thank you we Uh, are in silicon valley (laughs) and we saw uh Gary, not Gary Gygax, Luke Gygax. Yeah, I saw Luke Gygax. If you saw Gary Gygax, we were in a different room. Yeah, we saw Luke Gygax run uh, the Tomb of Horrors or try to, right? which was hilarious, which was real funny. And what what it was was even, but they they were real more. They were more. They were game. They were gamers, right? And they were more like how you would play, right? You know, sure they knew people were watching, so there was a little bit of like, yeah, but they were they were actual people that. A lot of them, you know, were older guys that had played in the seventies and stuff. Yeah, so there, they they had some the, new people. There though. were some new people, yeah. but they had the the caller and they had the um <laughs> the the person mapping the dungeon and all of that kind of <laughs> stuff, right? The dungeon, terrible. So yeah, so exactly, but the. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but everybody i don't know if everybody in that room were were D and D players but it sure seemed like it they were all in the industry of some sort right yeah in well no Comic-Con. i mean in the room in the audience because oh, the everybody audience. watching it was like laughing laughing and enthralled by it because i think they were Come because on. <laughs> they were all D and I'm, I'm pretty sure they were all D and D players yeah. if they weren't they were going what world did I just walk into? Because oh, there were RPGers of some sort. I mean, because yeah. it was Bill that Luke Gygax was going to run yeah. two hours, <laughs> and it was pretty crowded. So yeah, so in that sense, that seems more that seems more closer to a home game, right? Than what we see on Critical Role. And there's another one, uh, the one Chris Perkins, the guy who runs uh, Watsy or something. I forget what he does. He's in charge of the rules or whatever, and. Uh, Acquisition Incorporated, I think is the mm-hmm. name of one. I've never seen that one, but I have seen quite a bit. I actually listened to quite a bit of Critical Role. I I heard their first the first season. It was pretty good. I mean, it was it's even interesting for me because I was listening to it, and their and their sessions are like three hours long, right? And it was perfect for me for work because I have this really boring job sometimes and so i can listen to something for long periods of time and not having to worry about changing uh what is it uh changing podcasts or changing music styles or whatever so and it was easy to follow along but i can understand that some people look at that and say that's not real D &D, right because you know but because they're actors you know they're really into these melodramatic scenes and melodramatic uh what is it interactions it's very soap opera like right and a lot of times your sessions at home are not that way you know sure you get into into personal conflicts and stuff like that but they're not you know usually that exciting that exciting or people are not like in tears practically complaining about how they lost something or whatever so well i on reddit i was reading (laughs) these people that were this one this one gm was talking about the mercer effect okay and he was saying that you know he has new players in his game that that's all they've ever seen right and that's how they wanted the game to go yes so what he told them was yes yes i've watched critical role and um, as soon as you start playing like the players, then I'll start DM GMing like Matt Mercer. So the idea that Matt Mercer, he says there's one time where Matt Mercer only had like four lines in three hours and the players just were, were, he goes, they went into a bar. He says he, he, he portrayed the, the waitress or bartender <laughs> bringing them stuff. And then they talked for three hours and he only had like three lines. He goes, if I put you guys into a bar and stop talking, what's going to happen? Nothing. (laughs) 
he was a little bitter but i can understand i can understand that right you know um and it's not and it doesn't have to be like it doesn't matter who you're comparing the person to every gm is going to be different right not every gm is going to do what your first gm did and make it the most exciting game for you because it's a different style right exactly so you have to learn and for me the hardest thing to learn was that not every gm is um kind of gives you like here what are you going to do they kind of have an idea of what you're supposed to do and you need to fulfill their idea so to me that's a different kind of of way to play than and what but once you figure it out then you can work with it right yeah or not work with it or like some gms are really into interpersonal relationships between the characters like when we played in shannon's call of cthulhu game he wanted everybody yes. to have connections, which, you know, Saul's done that, but the connections weren't quite as, as strong. <laughs> right. Right. You know each other because you saw each other on the street. Yes. Whereas you're the brother and sister or, you know, that kind yes. of thing. You there's there's different kinds of things, right? So yes. every every GM runs it differently. Some GMs just go, okay, you walk into a bar. What do you do? Or you're, here you are. What are you doing? That's Saul. And then um, other people are like, okay, this guy comes up to you and blah, 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 right? Right off the bat. So it's different kinds of styles and it's what you're used to. So if you're used to sitting down and having the GM kind of lay out in the first few sentences what the day is going to be like, you know, or what's going to happen, you kind of get an idea of which way you want to go. Whereas if you have a GM who goes, okay, here we are, what are you doing? Then you kind of have to, you know, learn to do it that way. There's big differences in GMing style, which could cause some players to like compare them to the GM style that they're used to could cause this, this griping, this complaining, this comparing and not being constructive. And I think the, the, the thing we're trying to convey here is that when, when players are just comparing and not saying why the other person, they enjoyed the other person's game and how the other person, uh, GM'd that made it fun for you or you liked it better when you just say oh yeah you know Jack wouldn't have done it that way well I think more and I think one of the things we're also trying to say is that you should sit down into whatever game you're playing and appreciate whatever kind of style the GM uses right unless they're a GM that you're uncomfortable with or something then don't appreciate get up and walk away right. i don't know oh yeah be open to the to the to, to yeah. new style or yeah stuff. try not to try not to in your head come oh this game sucks right because he's not running it the way felipe would right that kind of thing right right so i think there's all kinds of things you can do to to prevent this kind of stuff from going going on one as a gm you can ask ask players and i think we talked about feedback in the past and it's very sometimes it's very hard to do and it's very hard to get is that constructive criticism but or, or feedback but i think if somebody if you hear somebody as a gm somebody compl- you know doing that comparison and you're like okay so maybe afterwards after the game is over or in an email or however contact that player so well i know you compared me to jim or whatever and i want to know how how would jim do it differently and why do you think that's better i'm only trying to make make it so that you're happy you're playing. Because when people are comparing you like that, unless they're like, oh, man, you're much better than that guy or whatever, right? Then you just go, then, oh, yeah, okay. Then go, thanks. Right? Why? You, don't, you don't ask why. <laughs> you don't ask why. You just say, hey, thanks. But uh, but when it's not that way, I think as a GM and as a player, you're just 
there's two things you should do. One, you should not just drop that kind of bomb on a GM and say, because it really, it really does is it really lowers the confidence of the GM. Right, right. right. And you, you don't want that to happen because sooner or later that GM's not going to want a GM no more. Especially if, for you. Especially for you. And, you know, you're poisoning the well there, right, that you've got to drink out of. And if that's the only well there is, you know, if that's the only game in town and you're like, you know, making the GM upset, you know, you could basically uh, compare your way out of a game and not be invited into the next campaign or whatever. Or other people around the table going, you know, will look at you and going, yeah, that guy, maybe I, don't yeah, want, yeah. I wouldn't want to run a game for him if all he's well, going to do is complain about me. That's true. So, but that's the way, kind of like the way you sit down to anything, not just, not just gaming, but life in general, <laughs> you choose how you're going to enjoy that day or that game right right so maybe the gm isn't the same as as your old gm but you should try to find unless unless it's not a good game you should try to figure out how to enjoy yourself and if you have ideas maybe give them the ideas but if if it was me i would just sit back and and go a few sessions to figure out how can i have fun in this Right. And w- why I, I try not to compare GMs because there's so many different styles, and I've been playing with a lot of different, a lot of different um, GMs now, so I can compare the styles and go, and I find things interesting in each one. Right. Versus it- versus going, oh well, Saul wouldn't have done it like that. Although I, sometimes I sit there and I can I can see Saul thinking that <laughs> oh I wouldn't have done that, and I'm like you need to get out of your head and enjoy the game that's going on and not think about how you would have done it. Right. Right. I've, we t- I've talked about that before, that, I, but I never say anything. Right? That's no, so you different. never say. Anything. I, I and I and I think as I uh, sometimes I can get myself out of that that mode, like the anti, not the anti, but the non GM mode where I'm just judged. a player. Yeah, I'm just you know, just let, just let, let's have fun. And I think honestly, when I do that, I have much more, a lot more fun than I do when I'm like trying to be. You know, oh wow, why is he doing? You know, when I'm trying to be not critical, but trying to ascertain as to why the GM is doing certain things that way. Unless it's something that I really appreciate and really like, then it's like, oh yeah, yeah, that's a good something. That's something I could incorporate into my GMing. But if it's but if it's more negative or more critical in the sense that in a negative sense, then that does not do you much good as a player or as a GM. You know, unless the person really, uh, what is it? really upsets you or does something really really you don't like then like well i don't want to do that with my players right Right. but i think uh as a gm uh i can look at other players i look at look at the gms and i can not i can but i do sometimes judge them and i don't i know i don't i don't say anything but but if i can lose that lose that judgmentalness and go to i'm just here to have fun i'm here to play this game I have much more fun and then I'm, I interact better with the, with the scenario of the game. And I think the best way, and I hate to say it because <laughs> I've never been a session zero person, but <laughs> I, I think the best you can combat that before you play the game really? with new players really? by explaining to them that this is the way, this is what this world is here. This is, my expectations what are your expectations and when they tell you oh i want it to be like critical role then you can go okay (laughs) let's bring the expectations down and change them a little bit right i'm not going to run the game like matt mercer right that kind of thing or 
I don't run it like the way Felipe is. I know you've been playing it in his games all your life, but this is me running it, right? Right. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, in fact, Matt Mercer himself kind of yes. has answered that. Yes, several that, times. The idea of Mercer effect, they call it, I guess, too. And and he, I think what people have to realize is that they, people say, oh, they're just voice actors. Well, they're actors, right? And some of them actually have been able to convey that into acting, actual right. acting. But voice actors, when you have to convey emotion and just by your voice, right? Then you're acting. I mean, you are almost to the point where where you're a better act, not a better actor, but on comparable to to people on on film and television, you know, that type of acting because they have to they have to incorporate feelings, emotions, and and all these other things it, just by voice alone. You know, that's pretty amazing. And then, then when when they have a shot at being in front of a camera, and not only use their voice but use their body and their and their physical presence to play a game, then then the, you know then you're looking at professional people who you can't compare with. You know these people have been doing it. Critical Role, I think. Well, Matt Mercer's been a voice actor for like 20 years, right? Something yeah, like nice. that. And some of those people have been voice actors for at least that long. But even if you've only been voice acting for 10 years professionally, that means you're able to make a living off of it. Come on. That's like they're doing it all the time. That's a job. Yeah. How can you compare somebody who role plays well, that's once a what, week? Like I said, that's <laughs> what the what the that one GM said. You know, yeah. when you're going to play like the players in Matt Mercer's game, oh, uh, then I'll GM <laughs> like him. Right. Because nobody. I mean those are expectations that you can't live up to. Right, correct. Or, but then nobody can ever really live up to the expectations in your head, right? That's another thing. Because it's, it's ideal. Yes. It's not, it's not reality. Right. Correct. And I'm sure when they, when they played their home game, you know, before they became Critical Role, the games were probably less flamboyant and less, you know, and less, you know, but they probably I don't still know, had, I haven't seen it, but. Yeah, right. I, I'm just guessing. You know, they probably still talked in they still yeah. had voices and all yeah. that stuff, but they weren't probably so melodramatic right. in my sense. In my, in my thing, you know, maybe maybe they were, but I think people get really caught up in this ideal thing. Then that's why I called it the ideal GM, the name of the episode, because it's not real, right? You know, people look up to this memory of a of a GM past, or they look at other actual GMs, plays, actual plays, yeah, and and you know that's not. That's not reality for most people, you know, and it's very hard to obtain that. Well, kind it is of- reality for those people, but, and it was the reality at that time in the past. Right. But the things you're not remembering are that you were bored for two hours during that game when you were 10, <laughs> waiting for your turn or something like that. <laughs> exactly. Or you, you were trying to figure out, you know, what does he want me to do? Or, or, or you know, like you said, you were bored for an hour while people argued what the rules meant. Yes. <laughs> And that did happen in the old game when I was. It happens these days too. I remember. I remember one game at the Scott House. There was a. We spent the whole day. Not we, because I was involved in the argument. (laughs) Uh, I forget who was involved in the argument, but they were arguing about the rule. Something was it traveler because they may have had the the same argument recently. (laughs) It was D D, and I think it 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 was uh, I don't I forget. Well, and rules are very important to to role players because they bring you up to the same. They give you the rules help the character players against whatever the monsters are. Right? 
you need to know what yes. your character can do and yes. stuff like that. So a lot of people are very, very particular about making sure the <laughs> rules are correct. Yes. And they don't want to vary from that because then it gives unfair advantage to the non-player characters or right. whatever's going on. So I've learned with playing with a lot of different guys that rules are very important. And if I don't understand the rules, I just let, I don't, I try not to get them to argue about it. I just ask to make sure I got it correct. But a lot of times <laughs> men, I'm sure women too, <laughs> but they want to have it just perfect and they want everyone to agree with them. So it's interesting when he says they might argue for a couple hours. It's true. And what happened was it was mainly, I think there was mainly three people arguing and we were, we were kids. They were more right, older, older, right? And so they were older teenagers. Uh, they were probably, yeah, I was anyway, but I remember most of us were upset about that because we were like, we okay, didn't get to play, we didn't get to play at all. Yeah. And it was like, I think one player left the one of them that was in the argument. I'm going to have to talk to Felipe about it because he was there. And he he may or may not remember what the argument was about because I really don't remember. I think it had to do with play style and what it meant to be chaotic, evil, or, or oh, something God, like that. Alignment, alignment, and it was a and it was motivation and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Of realism, I don't know. I don't remember, but I remember like at first I was like, okay, and then it sounds it, like an X card moment and to it me. Just kept going, <laughs> it just kept going, and then like we're like, wow, the whole the day was over. Yeah. So it was not a great day in gaming. I remember that. I remember that clearly. So you do remember bad things. Yes. But that is not an ideal GM. I don't even know. Was Felipe the GM or somebody else? I don't else? know. I don't know. I don't know what sparked it. I don't know who was GMing. Uh, I know Mike was probably there. Felipe was there. And, of course, the, the two people who were mainly arguing about it. I remember the names. Should I say the names? No. <laughs> they don't listen to our show. I haven't seen them those guys for like 20 years. <laughs> So yes, the ideal GM basically for me doesn't exist. Uh, usually it's in, in somebody's, uh, like I said, remembering a fondness of a past or they see somebody on television or YouTube, whatever you call it, on the inner tubes and they want their game to be like that. And it's very hard to mimic that interaction at home because those it's people, impossible. those people you know, who are playing together, you know, some of those guys are friends from like a long time. Right. And, you know, and the, I think some of them on a critical role are married to each other. Well, yeah, two. There's two couples on the show. The, those are, you know, interactions and ability in, the, in, their, in their, prof their professionals at acting. So it's hard as a working class person who works, you know, who only works on a game on the weekend or maybe in the afternoon when he has time, he or she has time to work on it. And... And the end of the weekend, you know, you run your game and you're trying to incorporate all these things that make it a good role playing game. But it's not your job, right? It's not your job to to be able to come up with voices and and study how to do uh, certain kind of accents and stuff like that. So I think uh, cut your GM some slack and whoever they are. And if you have any kind of, you know, if you have any kind of comparing uh situations remember that unless you've been behind the screen the gm screen which a lot of people don't use these days you know remember it's a tough it's a tough job and a lot of times those people are not being paid so uh, be nice to your gm if you're going to compare something them to something say you know uh, you know approach them and say you know uh, i heard of this somebody else handled this situation differently what do you think and i think th that will help both of you 
One, it'll help you think that you might get the game that you want and the GM might learn something. So that's everybody wins in that situation. So there's no ideal GM out there. Unless uh, you played in my games. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding, kidding. I'm not that. Whatever. I'm not that egotistical. <laughs> but yeah, I do, I, do like, I do like incorporating things that I've learned from other GMs. I think it's critical in a lot of times. We, we've said it before in the past on different subjects. You know, as a GM and as a player, you know, play with different groups, play with different GMs, learn from them, and know, learn both things. What, what you like and what you don't like and what works for you and what doesn't work for you. And let people know in a kind way if something doesn't work for you. <laughs> Don't compare them to the ideal GM that doesn't exist anymore. Right. So, there you go. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. You have a good day. Mm-hmm.